Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I'm Ken. Hi there. Hello. That was very, very high pitched. It was. was Hello, everybody. Now, we're in the Christmas spirit. We are, we are in the Christmas spirit. Santa's on his way. Ken, <laughs> what is in the gift bag for tonight? What am I pulling out of my sack? <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> Being alone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was, um, the darker eyes have drawn in and it's that time of year and everybody's surrounded by friends and family and all kith and kin and all that sort of thing. But out there, and I have been one of these people, is there are a lot of people out there that, that aren't. They're on their own. They're lonely. And I just thought that we'd have another one of our sort of chatty ramble episodes about the sort of the bloody negative sides of, of being alone. There are a lot of positives. I mean, I, I live alone. I currently live alone. You know, answers on a postcard if anybody would <laughs> like to change that status. But... Uh, but no, uh, there are a lot of positives. I mean, the, the house is always clean. It's not, uh, you know, I come home, it's exactly the same state as I left it. But on the other side, uh, the vast majority of the time, I do enjoy living alone because mm. it's just a very hassle-free, stress-free life. But you don't get to share anything with anybody. I, I sometimes look at your life and I'm quite envious because you've got, you know, your, your wonderful husband and <laughs> beautiful children and, all right, you've got the dogs, I'll skim over that bit. <laughs> That just sounds like a nightmare, to be honest, just having to, I sometimes look out through the sheet rain where you can, you know, you can see the air you're breathing. And I think, nah, I don't, I, I was driving, I was driving the van around the other day. It was absolutely hammering down. I mean, properly Northern pissing down. And all these dog walkers were out <laughs> in it and they were, they were doing the piss wet through shuffle that mm. dog walkers do. And the dogs were just sort of looking, thinking, why am I out in this? <laughs> there was no joy in the dog. <laughs> Nobody's getting anything out of this. So I don't really know where this is going. This was born of a, a sort of um, one of those melancholy moments because we scribbled down ideas for Nine Bob Notes in between recording. Well, we're not, well we should. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that we both think about and then just forget to write down. So. <laughs> The huge cache of unused topics yet. Uh, but no, this was, I was having one of those introspective moments one night where I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, you know, it's, tonight I could do with some company. This is going mm. down as an NBN. Now. And, and you'll have been there, you know, not in the now dim and distant past, thankfully. But from a gay perspective, a, a very, very close gay mate of mine, and this is 20 years ago, he's no longer with us. But he died of a brain tumour coupled with AIDS. He was in a fairly bad way when he went. Yes. You know, marvellous man, David Foster. And we, we got, to, I, he's somebody I got to know. He was the son of somebody who used to come to the quiz night. She said, oh, he's into Doctor Who. You'd probably get on. And we did. And we became drinking buddies. And he introduced me to a whole raft of stuff that I'd never been exposed to before. <laughs> stuff that lost material and, oh, all sorts. Wonderful man. But I went to see him in Croydon. When it became clear that he, he was not going to survive, I went to see yeah. him and his partner in Croydon. And uh, he was throwing everything down his neck. Any drugs he could get hold of. And I was sort of casting 
don't really agree with you sort of phoning up and ordering drugs. And then I thought, well, he's going to die. Mm. It's just not going to make any difference. So that was about the one occasion where I thought, oh, go on then. You know, I'm not going to, I will turn a blind eye to your <laughs> drug use here. But the, one of the things he said, well, he was 32 when he went and he said, don't feel sorry for me, Ken, because I'm not going to be the loneliest man in the world. There's nothing mm. in the world that's lonelier than an old gay man. And that has stuck with me all these years as a just the saddest thing. And having seen in the intervening years old gay men, I mean, properly old yeah. gay men, they've never met anyone. They were born in the wrong time. Or they've sort of, sort of come to terms with their sexuality, sort of come out but never fully, never really had the chance to embrace the life. From that side of things, do you know sort of how that feels? Yeah, I. it's a lot different these days. And I, I suppose it's now, I would say, at the stage where, when most people do get to come out and live a normal life, mm. if you will. Uh, and But yeah, there, there, will, there will always be someone. There'll, there'll be people who... Uh, there'll be straight people who who never never meet anyone, mm. or people who have lived lived with their parents or all their life, you know. And but I think it was what it was one of the things that parents always worried about when their children turned out to be gay. And I've seen it a few times in films, you know, and things like yeah. that, where where they said, oh, "I just don't want you to be to be lonely," because the the assumption was that gay people. The relation, relationships don't last. And, and particularly, you know, we talked about it quite a few times from the 80s and 90s. If you were in a gay couple, the chances are that one of you was probably going to die of AIDS. Oh, what a lovely story. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, so there is so there is that. But, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember many, many years ago when I lived in Manchester – the person that I was with at the time, uh, we were living together and we had Christmas dinner on, on our own. There was, you know, whatever was going on with family. And we we went into Manchester on Christmas Day after our Christmas dinner. And we went to a, a gay bar called the Hollywood Show Bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yes, I remember. And, you know, apparently it was a tradition. But this, the, 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 uh, the Hollywood Show Bar, used to put on a Christmas dinner and they opened in the evening on Christmas day for predominantly gay men or for, you know, for anyone in the, in the community who was on their own on Christmas day. And so they'd have Christmas dinner during the day and then go, you know, and have a few drinks at night. But some of those people, there was the, the sort of sadness about them. And, you know, and it's like, it's like you say, there, there are times where I absolutely love you know, where you, where you have the, either the houses. Or, yeah. like, you know, the other week I went to London with work and I was staying in a crappy hotel. Oh, I, I remember this. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was awful. But I got to, you know, go. I, I went and had a pint after work mm. and I went back to, to my room and I got to read my book in my room yeah. and there was no, and, and that was nice. But at the same time, I when I got home to the, rabble at home i was really i was really thankful and really happy to to be back that i, I completely resonates with particularly the hotel thing a couple of years ago i was recording in birmingham i'd gone down for a couple of days recording um at the custard factory <laughs> and 
I stopped in a hotel on my own. So, the, you know, the recording finished at I don't know, four or five o'clock, whatever it was in the afternoon. But I had the whole night to myself. Mm. So I wandered into Birmingham, you know, I, I wandered into Chinatown and got a very nice meal on my own. Yeah. And I went for a drink on my own. I went back to a hotel room on my own. I just, I was in there. On my, and just the whole weight of being on my own hit me. There's nothing, uh, people do it and, and they get a lot out of it. They travel on their own. Mm. They go to, they'll travel off to, you know, markets and fairs and things on their own. They're perfectly happy. They'll go on holiday on their own. I am not that person. No. Um, I need somebody to make memories with and and to fully enjoy something. And so for all the perks of living on my own, and there are a lot, Mm. you can't really sometimes get away from the fact that you're missing out. And uh, this is not a very festive edition, boys (laughs) and girls, but on the other hand, um, if anybody is out there that's single and feeling a little bit... God, everybody else is out there having a wonderful time. Not everybody is. You're certainly not alone, alone. Yeah, and that's that's it, because it's really easy to sort of say, and particularly when you're thinking about Christmas time. Mm. It's the hardest time, it yeah. is. But, but then you also get the fact that, you know, sort of you, you'll say, oh, what about thinking living on their own at Christmas? So, uh, for example... You. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yes, but, yeah. all uh, on my own with nothing. It's just me and a, a sad twig of a Christmas tree and a, <laughs> one Christmas cracker, that's it. An extra coal for the fire. <laughs> the tree. But then you, it, you it know. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. But, but you say, well, you know, I've got, I've got plans. You know, obviously you've got family mm. and friends uh, and you do stuff. But then they're not going to be there for the whole of the no. Christmas time. And there's, got, there's going to be a point where you come back to your house or you know if they've been around here mm. you close the door and they've gone and then yeah you you do get the oh yeah you know i could do what i want now i'm not in my house but then yeah that lasts about five yeah, seconds yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it only at christmas christmas is the very worst time of the year mm. um i think partly because i've had i mean i've been blessed i've had a couple of wonderful long-term relationships mm. and and they have been they're times of my life. They've been absolutely wonderful. And, and everything else afterwards where I'm not in those places with, you know, particularly one of them. And it's, uh, everything sort of compared to those times. It's not like I, I've, I'm blessed with the most wonderful social life. I've got invitations coming out my ears <laughs> to things. And my, every single gap in December and even now running into January is filled with invitations to go to stuff. So it's not like I'm on my own. Yeah. But that having that special someone, and it's it's only really in the past couple of years doing things with you and Simon and sort of talking through particularly the gay community, the full weight of how lonely that must be, maybe less so now than in years gone by, because there are, society generally speaking is more tolerant. There are places you can go to, although I've got to be honest, I can't think of any gay bars locally. <laughs> but are there still some in Preston? No. Well, actually, not that I know of. Because are Oblivion and Blowing, are they gone now? They're gone, yeah. Flats. Really? Yeah. And I think for for gay people, and obviously I include LGBT, mm. you know, all, every, the, the whole community, and there there is that element that we we've always got. Whether you know whether we're with someone, whether we're living somewhere, whether we're living on our own, we've always got 
are families. Yeah. Uh, and if I was on my own, my parents would never dream of me having Christmas Day on my own. You know. I yeah, know. yeah. But particularly, uh, well, for, for gay people in the past, and hopefully, as you say, it's getting better now, but for, when you think about particularly trans people mm. who... They, you know, the very act of coming out as who they actually are means that their family disowns them. Yes, or, yes. Or even if, if they're worried about being disowned so they can't come out and mm-hmm. so they don't want to go back to that family situation where they have to pretend to be someone else, then it must be very, very lonely. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the point of this episode <laughs> is. It's not really a... <laughs> a topic of debate as such. I just thought it'd be an interesting sort of ramble for us to have, but, uh, cause I know that you've, you've not, I thankfully, I, I just look at your life and I'm just so happy for you because, <laughs> um, I, I've watched you over the years go through the mill. You, you've not had, uh, there, there've been definite troughs in <laughs> your, in your life. And, uh, and now I just look and think, you know, this wonderful, the, the you know, lovely husband and uh, certainly your kids are just to die. They are lovely kids. Um, Casey in particular, I just, <laughs> uh, oh God, the heart, the, just a, a road of shattered hearts behind <laughs> her in her wake. Uh, all the boys and probably some girls as well are going to fall in love with her. Oh, I, I, um, I went to Casey's parents' evening. This is completely <laughs> um, the other day, and she's got a man teacher. And I, I, I walked in, and Casey was there sitting next to me. And he said, "Oh, I really hate having to do this, especially when the child's sitting there next to me. This is the hardest part of the job. I'm going to have to say something nice about the child." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then, uh, but he said. If, if I could only use one word to write her report, the word would be wonderful. Mm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, moving, moving on. But yeah, it's really nice. And as you say, at Christmas, if you've got kids, it becomes all about the yes, kids. Yes, yeah. But also you've got, you know, like nieces and nephews mm. and things like that. And when they're younger, so I know you're like your nieces. Oh, it, it's God. just Again, two more yeah. that shatter my heart every time I walk into the room, yes. Yeah, and that and that's what makes it makes it worthwhile. But there, there are people who don't who don't have that, honestly, mm. and you just yeah, so I always make the effort. There's a there used to, there's a little old couple across the road. They've got nobody. They are. I mean, the proper poor. The proper old northern poor. They live. They do live and do everything in one room in yeah. the back room of a terraced house, like life used to be. <laughs> I mean, Vin, bless him, is gone now. He, he died last year. But I'd see him walking the dog with his pipe in his mouth, <laughs> and yeah. I'd, so I used to start inviting him and his wife over for. I'd make them a Christmas dinner at some point yeah. over Christmas period. And they loved it, you know. It was clear that, you know, I'd, I'd get in a bottle of Baileys because uh, she liked the Baileys and he liked his uh, he liked his whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I'd get a bottle of whiskey. And it was clear they never had this at any other mm. time of the year. And just somebody cooking a meal for them and, and giving them some booze and I'd get them wrecked and then they'd <laughs> stagger off home and probably have an argument. But just doing something for somebody that they've got nothing else at Christmas just have a think. If yeah. if you can do one little random act of kindness for somebody at Christmas. There was another, I mean, God, it sounds like everybody dies on my street, but there was a, <laughs> there was another fellow, he lived on his own, and it was a product of a shattered heart. He'd, uh, marriage had dissolved and he'd become an alcoholic and he just lived 
permanently wrapped up in clothes because he spent all his money on booze. He didn't bother mm. with the heating or anything like that. And he lived very a very meagre life and just died penniless and pissed, basically. But he had a he was another one with a coal fire. And there was a bitter winter a few years ago. And uh, I just took him over on Christmas Eve, 23rd or something like that, a bag of logs and a bag of coal. And he burst into tears. And it was just, because that was all he had. There was nobody going to see him over the whole Christmas period. And I got a, a food bank parcel delivered to him. And, and he wrote me a letter in pencil on a sheet of torn paper. He wrote me a, a thank you letter. Oh. And, you know, that it was a, just an act of kindness that had restored his faith in humanity. Oh. And... Little things, boys and girls. Just just do something for somebody. It might be nothing to you, but reach out to somebody. If we all did that, yeah. Yeah, and maybe that can be the the message from this episode, I think, because we have spent coming up to two years in various states of lockdown. And during that, we were all, oh, yes, I'm looking out for my neighbours and friends and I've, I, I do the shopping for the elderly and... Oh yeah, a lot of people did a lot of nice mm. things, and um, but then it seemed now that life is getting back to normal, people are going back to normal and going back to being selfish. Oh maybe, yes, yeah. So may, maybe we can all we can all do a, a nine bob note favor for your neighbor and do something nice. There's a hashtag in that. <laughs> favor for your neighbor. That's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, instead of uh, instead of feather bowers, that's it. We'll, we'll do that. Favour for your neighbour. Yeah, do something nice and check it. Check in on people who might be lonely over Christmas, and then we'll all have a much nicer time. Oh, oh that's <laughs> I, I, I like that. Favour for your neighbour. I like that. <laughs> well, I'm going to round us off with a screening queens. Yay. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be any stretch of imagination <laughs> to guess what I'm going to suggest. I've got an idea. <laughs> it's the Muppets Christmas Carol, yeah. which is, I know that not everybody agrees, but for me, it is the best Christmas film ever made. In fact, it's one of the best stories ever written. And the only way to really make it better is to put Muppets in it, which is <laughs> yeah. what Jim Henson did in 1992. And there's just so much going for this film. It's the most magical thing to watch around, say, four or five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Get all the kids around the telly and, you know, uh, pour yourself a glass of eggnog or something. And, and then one more sleep till Christmas comes on. And <laughs> I mean, technically, this should be in our Christmas episode, but that will be on Christmas Day and it'll be too late. Yes. So this is a, a Christmas Eve film. Film. Is this one of your Christmas staples as well? Yes, we we always go to the to the local church club on Christmas. Oh, St. G's. Yeah, St. G's with Stuart, with my family in law. Um, and for, for a couple of hours in the afternoon and then we go to a KFC on the way home and then we all get into our pyjamas and watch Muppet Christmas Carol. <sighs> the kids go to bed and we crack open the Baileys. <laughs> Ah. One more sleep till Christmas. Yeah, oh, it's just as soon as it comes on, just even the, the Disney logo, you I know, it's going, you just, I, you, I just have the biggest smile. We, everyone loves it. It's just, yeah, everyone has to watch it. And in the past 18 months, they found The Love Is Gone. Yeah. Which a lot of people won't know is a song in the film, in the original film. And it was on the VHS release. Mm. 
But somewhere along the line, somebody at Disney decided that it was too slow. It was it was just dragging the film down in the middle of the film. The kids wouldn't understand it. So they cut it out and then they lost it. And it's the most heart-wrenching song that bookends the film because the it shows Scrooge losing his love when he's young. And then the end song of the film is The Love Is Found. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense. Which doesn't make an entire amount of sense when if the the losing bits lost. So, uh, but they have found it, reinstated it, and there's a there is now a 4K scan of the whole film. It's been remastered and tarted up. I've not seen it yet, but I will be first in line for the Blu-ray when that is finally released. Definitely, everyone should go out and watch that on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you're doing. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas Day. I wonder if it's going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, that's a good plug. <laughs> we should have a look, but uh, if there's any film that, because I'm very select, I, I buy Blu-rays for stuff that I want to keep, mm. really, really treasure. Because uh, there's there's no danger of it ever getting pulled or historically revised or any of that. And there's extras with it and commentaries and all the stuff that I love that a lot of people couldn't give a toss about. But um, there's something about physical media for me that I still really, really love. But that is, that is definitely one on the list. Mm. Hooray. Huzzah. Well, that's <clears throat> that's it. Uh, so we we, uh, we started off on a bit of a downer. downer. I think we've picked it up. To we have, I hope. With the help of, uh, without the help of the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. um, next time we come back, Ken, it will be Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Or Christmas Gay. <laughs> Another hashtag, get it in there. <laughs> oh, we're definitely using that. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll uh, we'll be cel- we'll celebrate in style. We'll get a we'll get a sherry on and uh, come back for our Christmas Christmas special. Who knows what that's going to be? But until then, have a have a lovely festive week. Enjoy opening your advent calendars, kids. See you next week. Bye. Nine Bob Node featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman. And the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.